Uh, I'm joined in the studio by Rosie Overall from the Media, Film and Communication Department. Thanks for coming in, Rosie. Hello. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, and we thought we'd have you in uh, to talk about the, uh, well, there's been lots of kind of identity or uh, race-related stuff in the media, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's a big issue at the moment. Uh, the Auckland University European Students Association, bit of a mouthful, uh, up in up in Auckland, um, kind of started up up this group, uh, and you know they they had uh, a, a portrait of Cook and some Celtic imagery and slogans reminiscent of of Nazi Germany. Yep. And there was there was there was quite a quite a reaction, uh, lots of lots of hype mm-hmm. um, around it. Do you reckon the, the the reaction was was you know too kind of hypey and or do you think it was um, well, kind of on point? First few things, um, you're absolutely right. In the last few days, there's been a lot of identity politics stuff covered in the media. Like we had, I think yesterday there was a big anti-rape demo. Yeah, in, in Wellington. In Wellington. Yeah. yeah. So people are coming out around um, identity politics and kind of. Uh, making, uh, I guess, progressive um, and uh, radical even uh, mm. um, statements, and certainly the backlash against the AUT, AUT European Student Society uh, came from other students, which is also interesting. Um, and yes, yeah, centred around this idea of, um, I guess, what what identity means in the New Zealand context, particularly around issues of race and ethnicity. Um, and I think it is an important conversation to have. It's sort of showing how um, identity politics uh, is moving into the mainstream discussion. So in the last few years, we've had feminism really burst into the mainstream. So I've been on here before and talked about hashtag feminism mm. and Beyonce feminism or Gaga feminism. Mm. Um, so maybe um, recent discussions perhaps in the political left, in America particularly, around whiteness and critical critiques of whiteness are coming more into mainstream discussion too that sort of seemed to be what happened and, here and yeah it does it does definitely seem to be a, a, a response to that to that kind of thing um i mean regardless of the the neo-nazi undertones and yep. all that kind of yep. thing i mean uh do, do you why why do you think they would want to start a group do are they kind of feeling oppressed on campus or um i think there's a feeling um which has been really discussed post-trump election mm. around a sort of sense of um an almost hysterical we might say response from um the dominant group of white uh, white male middle class subjects a sort of feeling like they're somehow ceding power to identity politics. Of course, I would argue this is a fantasy, and we've seen it played out in things like Gamergate, um, the panic over the um, all-female Ghostbusters reboot was another site for sort of (laughs) male hysteria over... um, It's very internet-based, isn't it? Yeah. The the memes do fuel it, uh, especially, you know, around around Ghostbusters and and stuff. Yeah, I just... um, I people brought up a good point about this and and again regardless of the neo-nazi stuff that there must be some kind of conversation that needs to be had if if these people are feeling like you know they're being left out or or something which is i mean as i know you'd argue kind of rubbish looking i mean look at new zealand it is it's white (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um 
yeah, I, I don't know what the conversation that needs to be had is, but it kind of seems like there is this, and and identity politics is on the right now as well, which is really interesting. This is an interesting part of the uh, uh, defence that Juan Pierre Ocamp, the chap who started the group up in Auckland, used, and this has been discussed as well, like I say, in a broader global context, is the so-called alt-rights take-up of left uh, mm. uh, political jargon. And um, again, just in the last week or so, there's been a few articles about how a lot of these conservative think tank guys in America studied uh, a lot of post-structuralist theory and are sort of quite au fait with that language yeah. and able to use that to kind of set up a logical, seemingly logical argument for the rights of the white or whatever, uh, the bourgeois. Um, which I think Ocamp is kind of crudely trying to do. He's not so capable. I, um, he doesn't seem very articulate. I just had a quick look on his Twitter. A few people have screen-capped some of his anti-Semitic stuff, which mm. he's since deleted. So the guy is no uh, sophisticate, <laughs> more the sort of juvenile 4chan type who's more doing it as a provocation. But he did use some of this kind of language to try and defend his position of, well... If there's a, a, um, a, a, a Chinese student association, if there's a PI association, why can't there be a European student association? How would you answer that question? Well, of course, I would answer it um, through a discussion of privilege, and I would say um, the reason there might be such associations are to do with the fact that um, the general student population would be considered perhaps white student association. So the default position often in universities, um, even though now obviously our unis are turning more towards inclusion of non-white uh, groups, uh, the default position is usually assumed to be white, English speaking, mm. from a uh, perhaps a middle class nuclear family background. So the reason traditionally these student associations have um, cropped up for minority cultures is because they perhaps feel marginalised within the dominant mode of the university. So we have uh, um, these types of groups um, to account for and try to um, uh, build uh, 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 particular strengths and empowerments within groups that uh, are not dominant. So um, that's that would be my answer that every it's a bit like when people say oh why is there a black history month in america well yeah. every other month is white history month yeah. or why is there last week was international women's day right yeah, so yeah. a lot of um what do they call themselves meninists uh, sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll say well why isn't there international men's day well the feminist answer is every other day's right. celebrating men <clears throat> so yeah if this if this discussion has become mainstream mm -hmm. and and the but these questions are being asked, does that mean that there's a lack of education maybe in high school or something like that um i i'm I couldn't speak I'm not so familiar with uh the n c e a system mm. but certainly more and more first years are coming through with an awareness of identity politics they are, i mean yeah. certainly last year teaching um first year understanding contemporary media which you can take in our department media film and comms um, we had lots of discussion around things around flashpoints like Beyonce's um, lemonade video things mm. like that and we were 
you know, because it's in the broader sort of discourse, um, Bell Hooks's article, so she's an academic on critical race studies, feminist studies, um, her article went viral um, on social media, not just academics reading it, but ordinary people reading about her response to Lemonade. So I think students are more and more aware, um, and Juan Pierre Ocamp, first of all, I think is a South African, so we don't even know if he went through our school system. Mm. But the second point would be that um, some people, despite... In fact, they feel almost, I guess... They're, they're, they like, they're contrarians. They like to just, mm. you know, especially if someone's telling them what to think or suggesting what to think there's almost a re it's reactionary right yeah. um, how dare you t it's an immediate reaction it's a conservative response of um um ha somehow i'm being rebellious by saying fuck you to mm. um to that but of course they're just actually reinforcing the status quo and i think <laughs> someone like him would be eh, just speculating that type of uh character but um, yeah, so you might also find those people are going to be resistant to um, those sort of identity politics messages or even resentful. It plays into their own perhaps paranoid True. Yep. identity. Yep. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've encountered that and even in my own life, um, you know, and I think that's where people should probably start as well. Um, mm. it, it's interesting, the generational divide as well, because, I mean, in this week's Critic, there's an interview with Don Brash, who's mm -hmm. suddenly back in the headlines. Uh, he's got this thing called Hobson's Pledge, um, which tries to, which is advocating for getting rid of the, uh, a separate, well, they like to call it a separate system, um, Maori electorates and um, uh, the treaty, uh, oh, God, the um, committee, or uh, what's it called? Uh, the the one that works out uh, treaty disagreements and, yep. and and all that thing that was was built in the sixties. Is is there is there in in Australia? Is there this kind of um, older generation that is still banging on about this this kind of stuff? Um, that's a really good question. So for starters, um, New Zealand's system of governance is quite different. So we never had a treaty and we definitely in Australia do not have um, a kind of uh, a, an address to Indigenous underrepresentation in government. Mm. So in Australia, um, Indigenous Australians are completely underrepresented. Often there'll be whole periods of time where our federal government has no Indigenous representation. We'll have a Minister for Indigenous Affairs who's usually a white person um, and of course they're responsible for things like instigating martial law in Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory and things like that. Wow. So um, we, I, th I actually think that having the Māori um, Electorate is a really good way of addressing these issues of privilege I mentioned mm. about kind of um, producing a, a public where there's actual input into how the um, the nation is governed. But of course, you guys are based on a bicultural system which is underpinned by the legal uh, uh, document of the treaty, which Australia doesn't have. But um, so going back, sorry, what was your question? Uh, I didn't. I didn't have one. Oh, okay. oh Australia, Australia. I guess yep. I was just. I was just looking for yep. Australian. Uh, context, but um, it's funny with the uh, you know I remember when in in early high early high school or intermediate when I was their age, um, the being colourblind was the mm, was mm. was the trendy thing. It's funny how how far things have come and in a relatively short time period. Um, I wonder if you know there's pro I'm guessing there's a criticism out there 
that uh, maybe uh, celebrating difference or categorising people as constantly marginalised keeps them there. Yeah, this is um, certainly something that has been discussed as a critique of identity politics, that it um, perhaps works to ghettoise, and I use that in air quotes, um, particular groups as essentially different. Um, but there's also this critique of colour blindness that the that comes from a privilege point. So being white, we can be colour blind because our race is always already invisibilised. We're never sort of noticed to be right. racialised. Um, whereas if you're non-white, um, within a dominant culture where whiteness is the norm, we have uh, um, constantly that difference uh, eked out, whether it's positive or negative, you know, mm. um, so you have the sort of uh, uh, racialised stereotypes like black people are good at dancing or whatever, Asian people are good at maths, as sort of, oh, well, that's okay because it's a positive stereotype, but it still works to produce that difference. Um, so you have, I guess, a kind of post-identity politics, or using identity politics as a type of reflexive critique of whiteness and also producing a strong um, identity-based um, subjectivity as part of uh, cultural practice nowadays. So I'm thinking of Faith Wilson's show, which is currently at um, Blue Oyster Gallery, where she um, she critiques whiteness through taking her own um, sort of strongly standing as a Samoan um, woman. So I think um, there's, a, there's a, a position within um, identity politics which can critique whiteness through a strategic motive. Right. Um, identity. Another thing I wanted to pick up on, you mentioned generations before. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a key thing and certainly, yeah, in Australia um, there is, um, as everybody knows, it's in pop culture of uh, um, resentment, uh, this idea of resentment again uh, towards Indigenous people as somehow having special privileges, um, which is of course another fantasy, or migrants, this sort of thing too, and it is often the older generation. But then that's not to say there aren't young well, people. Yeah, we yeah. see the Student uh, Association in Auckland. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that it's funny because Don Brash is starting a lo lobby group. Um, whereas maybe younger people are starting Facebook groups. Right, yeah. I mean, a few years ago there was a Facebook group, I can't remember what it was called, which was a oh, Pākehā... Pākehā party, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I think that was a relatively young person. Or, um, yeah, student associate clubs, things like that. And, of course, it became an issue for AUT's um, student body to say, OK, well, do we... Uh, if we give this group funding, are we tacitly or explicitly supporting a white supremacist group? That's a good point. I yeah. mean, um, and the 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 associations that uh, these societies and groups affiliate with don't always um, give funding to the groups. I mean, they have to you know request it and stuff. Yeah. But they are like affiliated, and I think yeah, the the problem with the Auckland Student Association was was that. I mean, what what, what do you think about that? Did is is that kind of do they condone the, the actions by affiliating, I guess, so? Eh? I think so, yeah. I'd say that. I mean, I've used that argument in critiques of um, the Hyde Street Party. Mm, right. So I've... Um, when Hyde Street, and I'm not saying it does this anymore, but years ago they had racist um, costumes um, and very sexist themes and things like that. So when I, I wrote a letter to the OUSA saying, by promoting this event you are endorsing it by giving it money so 
Um, I think the AUT's decision to um, publicly say we're not funding that group was the right decision. Like, if this guy, Juan Pierre, wants to um, have a have a discussion group at the pub with his mates, that's fine. That's one thing, and he can say all the vile things he wants or even tweet them. Mm. But having it officially if, um, associated with AUT is bad um, for for its image, but also sends the wrong message to its minority students who might be, you know, thinking, geez, if they're endorsing that, what do they think of me who's non-Euro, you know? Mm. Mm. Right. Um, I want to end with kind of... Uh academia's response uh, mm-hmm. to all of this stuff? I mean, you, you, you mentioned critical whiteness studies. What, what is that? Oh, yeah, good question. So um, this is a movement that comes out of critical race studies. So thinking about um, race as socially constructed or produced, and I'm really glossing it here. Mm. Um, um, so the basic idea would be that we think about race as, as um, completely, uh, it's non-biological, that it's something that's produced through social constructions, which we might think of as language. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of critical race studies. And whiteness looks at the same thing. It looks, instead of looking at it as invisibilised or always already or given, um, or ideological, we might say, you know, that invisible thing that um, we don't think about that perhaps directs how we behave in society, how we relate to other people. Um, critical whiteness studies unpacks whiteness as just as socially constructed, as produced through particular institutions and ways of thinking about the world. So my colleague Holly Randall Moon, who teaches um, our second year core paper, Theory of Communication Studies, um, and also coordinates our honours program, of which George is a part, um, uh, looks at this particularly, and she looks at institutions like the monarchy um, as producing mm. a particular type of whiteness. So that could be one example of that. So it's kind of um, about looking at whiteness through the lens we might look at um, race, um, cal- uh, non-white races through, and unpacking that as ideological. Yeah, because yeah. um, the... the- the the term white is itself is, is uh, recently kind of um, put a whole lot of people together as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, with Trump particularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'll leave it there. But wait, wait, just a quick yeah, plug. Yeah, We've also got um, Richard Dyer visiting yes. in May, and he's written a book on whiteness. Um, so I'm not sure if he will be speaking on that, but watch this space. We'll be having some public lectures from Richard Dyer, perhaps yeah. on this topic. Yeah, if anything comes up, I'll, I'll definitely mm. plug it. And uh, highly recommend the Media, Film and Communications Department. Yep. Love it. There's so much going on there as well. Um, not, not a conf- confined department at all uh, very all over the place in a good way <laughs> cool thanks rosie thanks, thanks for, for having in. me george uh it's 10 to 1 here on the download circus with me george taking you through till two o'clock